Welcome to The Lorraine Murphy Show. If you're anything like me, you want a successful, abundant business, epic energy, a growth mindset, vibrant health, and beautiful relationships. And this podcast sets out to help us achieve all of that together. I've been in the entrepreneurship arena for almost a decade now and have mentored hundreds of other business owners. So I know what goes on behind the scenes and what it takes to succeed. This podcast shares the tips, tricks, learnings, and lessons I lean on in order to blend the different facets of my life as an entrepreneur, author, wife, and mama to two gorgeous little humans. Let's jump in to today's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Lorraine Murphy Show. And this week on the show, I am bringing back one of the people who has been a key guide for me in both my personal and my business journey. Helen Jacobs is a psychic and soul coach and is also the author of three books. Her third book, Follow Your Heart, was published in May this year, and it's a guide to connecting with your intuition, which as we discussed in our conversation, is an essential superpower that we should all be nurturing. In Helen and my conversation, we discuss how she defines intuition, why intuition is so closely connected to our heart, how intuition is so important in business. I also share my own experience of an intuitive nudge recently when we record this, why intuition isn't always leading us to our happy ever path of easy. This was really, really powerful, this point she made here. How we can differentiate between intuition and fear and figure out who the hell is talking (laughs) at any one point. The three practices that she recommends to us to tune into our intuition more. How we know if our intuition is actually working. And also, really important, what to do during speed wobbles of faith and trust and how we can really get back on the path. And lastly, the one thing that you would like listeners to do after listening to this episode. Let's bring on my conversation with psychic Helen Jacobs. Hello, Helen Jacobs. Hello, Lorraine Murphy. Hi. I'm so excited. I was just saying you were one of my first podcast guests on my first podcast, The Lorraine Murphy Show. And so it's this lovely full circle moment for me. So thank you for joining today. Oh, I'm really pleased to be here. And I don't know, let's not read into it too much, but there must be something in it. Hey, I'm back here again Mm. as you start this new venture. How exciting. It feels like it. So Mm. for those of you, so I think a few listeners will be familiar with your work because I've talked about you a lot. You've obviously done quite a few readings for me and for Wade and my business and all the things over the years. And we've also had an awesome mentoring relationship over the years too. For anyone who's not familiar with you, can you give them a bit of a background to you, your incredible gift that you have and the kind of work that you do? to help people mm. with that gift. Mm-hmm. Please. So, yeah. yes. <laughs> Lorraine, remember your manners. <laughs> Look, I think the simplest way to describe what I do that most people respond to is I am a psychic, mm. but I am more than a psychic. I really work with my clients to help them tap into their intuition, to trust who they are and why they're here. And I sort of have over time ended up combining my ability to see the big picture and to understand where my clients are and help guide them to make the changes that they need to. So beautifully, so beautifully articulated. That's gold. (laughs) And Now, I know a big focus of our conversation today is about intuition. And I was so excited when you published your third, Mm -hmm. third book, which you very kindly sent to me last week. And it's called Follow Your Heart. And it's simple daily rituals for honing your intuition. 
And I really love that you've devoted an entire book to this because I know that intuition is a passion topic of yours because you and I have had many conversations about this this over the years. But I think the other reason that I'm really excited about is I really do think that intuition is such a core, it's a core necessity for us in business. I remember reading an article on the Harvard Business Review many, many years ago, and it said that the future in the future of business, we're going to need two things. We're going to need meditation to deal with the increasingly fast pace of doing business in this world that we're doing it in. But secondly, we're going to need intuition because we're not always going to be able, again, the pace doesn't always allow us to go and check all the data points and get all the information. Like we do need to make decisions as business owners when we don't have all the information to hand. And I think that we as women, I'd love to explore this with you as well. I feel like we've almost got that extra superpower that we are highly intuitive. I know like Wade, my husband has run his own business and he would have an instance in his business where I would, I remember picking something in his business, which is pretty major. And I said to him, I, I saw a picture and I said, I think this is something in this picture. He said, you're crazy. No way. That's not a thing. <laughs> and then six months later, he called me and went, you know that thing? <laughs> you're <laughs> you know? so right. And on a completely different note, you know, I'm having conversations with people who are in relationships where the woman has a very deep seated sense of something's not quite right. She can't quite tell what it is, but there's something not quite right. And turns out, you know, a few different instances now from conversations I'm having at the moment where she was bang on. So I really love that we're having this conversation with intuition because I think it's an innate superpower of us as women. And it's also something that we really do need to hone in business. Would you agree that women are more intuitive than men from your experience? Look, I believe that we're all intuitive, mm -hmm. but the flow of intuition is really closely linked with seasons and cycles and rhythm. And, you know, these are inherently feminine traits. Mm. And regardless of gender, we can cultivate that regardless. Mm. That being said, I think over the ages, the women have been tapped into it. But then as our life and society has changed, so many women, particularly when we're running businesses, sort of have it knocked out of us, right? It's growth at all yes. costs. Yes. It's, you know, push and push and push. And that idea of production and output is often at the detriment of taking a break and resting because, and it's interesting that meditation and intuition were suggested in that Harvard mm. Business Review because in order to hear our intuition, we often need to create enough stillness and space and silence to hear it, which meditation allows. Yes. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. They're actually just say, yeah, I get it. Yeah, this sounds like a two for one deal in what yeah. I was saying. <laughs> <Two Yeah. for. laughs> Obviously, the title of the book is Follow Your Heart. So I would imagine I'm right in saying that you see our intuition very much being centered in our heart space. Is that right? It's definitely one of the centers in the book. It is the only center that I'm talking mm. about. That being said, many of us talk about a gut instinct or, you know, oh, I can feel that, you know, deep in my belly. Yeah. But more often than not, and the reason that I've focused on the heart, and I talk about this in the book, I call the heart an antenna. And so it's like this portal where we are receiving information and transmitting information with you know, the universe and the world around us. So 
I also, you know, I hope I make the point well in the book when I say I'm not talking about our emotional heart, although mm. our emotions are important. This is really that true, deep, inner knowing and true self that is right in the core of us. Mm. So it's That's a, a metaphysical heart. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Our intuition, to take it a step further, is a feeling, but in my work I talk about the four bodies, so our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual bodies. So our physical body is talking to us all the time, you know, the butterflies in our tummy or the hairs mm. stand up on the back of our neck. You know, our mind is also, we have to be careful how we interpret it, but it is sending us useful data as our emotions and our energetic state as well. But for someone who is brand new to this, let's just start at the heart. It's mm. a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, got it. Can I actually ask, my dear, because I've heard you talk about the four bodies and I'm a longtime fan of your oracle cards, your little sage <laughs> yes, oracle I, cards. Yes. I think I've <laughs> been using you. them for Claro mm -hmm. Bead, my buddy shared them years ago. And Wade and I were living in our first house together. So that's 12 years. Wow. I think it's been. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, a long wow. time. So I'm familiar when you, yeah, Four Bodies is one of the cards in your deck. But I mm -hmm. recently, I feel like I'm talking about the Hoffman process constantly because it's life-changing <laughs> for me. I went through the Hoffman yes. process in November. And interestingly, in the Hoffman process, they talk about the quadrinity model. So it's your body, it's your intellect, it's your emotional self, and it's your spiritual self. And I just had this like uh, penny drop moment of going, oh, that overlays exactly with what you talk about, like those four yeah. bodies. Can I actually just ask on the emotional self, because I think it's helpful to explore what that is. When I did the Hoffman process, they essentially say that the emotional self is your inner child. Like it's that inner you, that like little younger version of you. Would you agree with that? I mean, I'm going off that one statement. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Probably 20 pages of theory behind what I said. Sure. <laughs> Look, I agree that that our inner child has a lot of emotional say, but I'm not, at this point, I don't think I could agree that it is only our inner mm. child. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. our inner child has a lot to do with it, but perhaps I actually need to go and spend more time and look into it. I think as I sort of treat the inner child as a separate aspect of ourself mm -hmm. where we can learn a lot about ourself and the needs that we may have had missed or not fulfilled, you know, the dreams and desires that our inner mm -hmm. child has had. But in my work, there's more in the emotional body than just the inner child. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, mm. that's really helpful. Thank you. And that actually brings me very neatly onto the next point that I wanted to speak to you about because I know something that I have struggled with and I've heard a lot of members of my community struggle with as well. It's we've all got that inner mean girl in our minds, which is mm. you can't do this. What are you doing? If, if you do this, you're going to get hurt or you're going to fail or you're going to look stupid or people won't like you. Melissa Ambrosini talks about, you know, that inner mean girl that we have. So what I would love to explore with you as part of this conversation is what's the difference between our intuition saying, go do something or don't do it, or this person isn't quite right for you. Like, I mean, I remember interviewing Sam, my operations manager in the business, and she was the sixth person I interviewed. And the first five, she was the last, yeah, she was the last one. And five people came on Zoom and I interviewed them, five brilliant women, like lovely people, super smart, all the things. But I immediately said, nah, nah, nah. Like just intuitively, I was like, this isn't my person. And Sam got on and I remember just like her, she came on just like, 
on audio and then like switched on her camera. And the second her face appeared on screen, <laughs> I was like, full body. Yes, you're my person. So what I'd love to explore with you is how do we as individuals tell the difference between the intuitive nudges telling us, you know, something is either good or not so good for us and just fear or emotions, you know, that kind of almost like that desire, almost like a lustiness. And I don't mean like in a sexual way, but I mean that, oh, I just Mm. want that, even if it's not in my highest good. Can you kind of help us unpack that, like the emotions versus the intuition? Yeah, I think if we maybe hone in on fear, because it is often the one emotion that people, it is the question I get asked the most. I can imagine, yeah. Yeah. So the best way that I can describe it is that our intuition, you know, it feels like maybe a push or a pull in a particular direction. It feels like, huh. Or to some of the examples that you've given, a really deep knowing without having even spoken to someone yet Mm. for the logic to kick in. And so our intuition is often asking us to take one step. It's a yes or a no or a move in a particular direction. And it is typically a feeling of expansion, of growth, Mm. of possibly excitement. Now, fear can still feel similarly in our body, but what is behind that feeling is usually protection, wanting to keep us small, wanting to keep us us safe. safe. Yes. And it's important that we actually take it into consideration, right? Like, wow, my gut's telling me to jump out of a plane and my fear is saying don't yeah, do yeah. it. And, you know, <laughs> logic might be, well, do I have a parachute and is this actually safe and have I done the training? So it has a place, of course. But I think in a really simple way, it helps us to understand that when we have those nudges and feelings that if we just take a beat, like, huh, what does that mean? Huh? Mm. What is that telling us? We can run it through that lens of, well, is this actually going to allow me to grow or not? I want to make another point here. And because you've used Sam as the example, I have not met Sam. I've been emailing with Sam. This is not about Sam herself, (laughs) but just to play on the example that you've given us, you know, she got on the call and you could feel that, yes, this is my person. Our intuition is not necessarily the free pass or guarantee to happy ever after. Now, my feeling is you and Sam will have a happy working relationship for some time. Coming from a psychic, that makes me happy. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, all good. You've got the all clear. (laughs) It's all good, Sam. Pass the hell and check. But if we're talking about intuition leading us into something for our growth and expansion, it is remiss of me not to mention that our growth and expansion can come through challenge and conflict. And so we do need to be careful that we're not conflating the idea of happy ever after. This is my green light. This is where the money is. The happy ever after is. This is the perfect home and dream life. No, that's where you're going to grow and experience. And yes, there will be benefit, but it's not necessarily always happy ever after. Mm, That's really powerful. I think about that, not so much in a business sense, but in a relationship sense, like a romantic relationship Mm. sense, because I remember when I first moved to Australia and I came here with my English boyfriend at the time and we split up three months. We didn't, we were, it wasn't great. Mm. And three months into arriving Australia, I just had this sense that there's something 
I'm going to say better because he'll never listen to this, but there's someone better. (laughs) There's someone better for me. And, you know, that was really scary because I was in Australia. I had very few friends here. It involved like breaking our lease in our apartment, moving out, finding somewhere else to live. But my intuition was saying that this isn't good. Like there was going to be more growth not being with him, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. But equally, I've had experiences with Wade over the years that I feel like, God, are we even meant to be together? Like this Mm -hmm. is so hard. And you know, it's just almost like it's just so hard. Like, is it too hard? I guess is what I'm saying. And then there's always been this intuitive pull to go, no, he's your person. Like you, you will grow more together. You will get through this. So it's interesting hearing that because I immediately went to romantic relationships around that. You know, it's not saying that when we follow our intuition, it's always going to be the easy path. And I would imagine anyone listening to this who has their own business, you know, you included, Helen, starting a business is not the easy path. You know, I think we kind of sometimes go in. (laughs) We go into it like the rose-colored glasses of, you know, one day you're sitting in a hammock and working whenever we want. And the reality is not that. So I think many of us listening would have started our business on at least some kind of an intuitive hunch that this is the best for our highest good. Mm. But that's not to say that it was the easy route by any means. Mm, yeah. No. Thank you for exploring that. I haven't heard anyone articulate that before like that. That's great. Oh, well, I'm pleased. Yeah, that's really <laughs> helpful. Thank you. Hmm. So I know this whole book is about the practices that we can use to hone our intuition, because I know that's the big question that people will have. It's like, yeah, okay, this sounds great. And I definitely want to be more intuitive. And actually, when I read that Harvard Business Review article, I signed up for intuition classes. I can't remember what it was called, but it was- Oh, they need me over in Harvard, hey? (laughs) I said, oh, they need me over in Harvard, do they? They do. (laughs) But I signed. it wasn't with Harvard. It was just like in this random adult education Oh, I see. Being in North Sydney. And I traveled over every Monday night and the teacher was terrible, like terrible. And after four classes, I was like, oh my God, I think I could work on my intuition better, like on my own rather than these classes. But it is something that we all would want to practice more and be stronger in. So what would you say are the three kind of practices that you recommend the most for people when they are trying to tune into their intuition more? Firstly, I love that your intuition told you not to go to that intuition. Yeah, it did. It did. I was like, well, I think it was also my brain just going, this is absolutely shite. And I could probably teach this class better myself. (laughs) Yeah, my intuition. And you know what? I probably got your card soon after that. And that was probably kind of my intuition going, this is better. (laughs) So the three things that I am often recommending, and in fact, I do recommend in the book, is firstly just getting out of your head Mm. and into your heart. And, you know, as business owners, like we know that there are a thousand things running through our head at any given point in the logistics and let alone if we do add in partners and family, kids, you know, other commitments that we have in our life. And so then we add in social media and the rest, right? So there is so much noise. And You know, whether it is, and I say this in the book, there is a place for formal practice of meditation. But meditation in my books can be painting, it can be singing, Mm. it can be dancing. So it doesn't have to be a chore. There just needs to be something that gets you out of the head and back into your heart so that you can hear it, that you can feel it. Because if you can't feel that yearning, and usually it is just a feeling that we're aiming towards, if we can't feel that, then what I'm about to suggest doesn't really matter until we've got that part right first. Mm. Some of the other tools that I think are useful are journaling and oracle cards. And so the journaling is a way of actually allowing 
uncensored exploration of what is truly on our heart. But what also happens, and I talk about this in the book, that when we're recording our intuitive hunches, when we're recording the signs and the symbols that turn up and how we're interpreting them, over time, if we're doing this each day, each week, each month, and building it over time, we end up with proof so our mind can't fight back. <laughs> Evidence journal, Nicole Bayless mm-hmm. calls it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing then is oracle cards. And in the book, it's not just oracle cards. It could be oracle or tarot or affirmation, but it could be any sort of divination tool. It just happens, as you've said, that I've got a deck of oracle mm. cards, so it makes sense that that's what I use. Yeah. But the power isn't in the tool. It is sometimes a way of an external tool confirming and reinforcing what we have already felt ourselves. And, you know, you've used the cards before. I'm sure that you've felt, hmm, I've got to make this change or, you know, let go of this thing in the business or investigate this thing more. And then you'll turn the card and it will say more or less Mm. the same thing as what you've already known. So it's a, a validation. And with those three pieces, you can really learn to trust what you're feeling is real and what to do with it. Got it. Now, I've got some questions to go back on what you've talked about. Thank you. Right. Uh, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) When you talked about there's a place for a formal meditation practice, Mm. I guess my question is obviously the more we can meditate, the better, which is, you know, that's a given. But do you feel like there needs to be a certain tipping point of consistency where we do start to tune into our intuition more? Like how good do we have to be at meditating is what I'm asking. How regular? Okay, then I'm going to answer that question differently. When my whole world changed and I realized, holy dooly, I'm like talking with someone who's not even in the room. Mm. And that is different from our intuition. But that's what brought me back to intuition. I wasn't meditating. I wasn't vegetarian. I wasn't the only organic plant loving barefoot woman in Byron. I was in PR. I had a hectic full schedule. And if life wants to get your attention, it will. If I was just answering the first part of your question, I'd answer it differently. So I do think that there is a tipping point that the practice, the formal practice of meditation, you know, it's proven time and time again to have many, many benefits. In the book, I make the distinction that if you're specifically wanting to tap into your intuition and follow your guidance, it can come through various avenues that don't necessarily require, you know, that formal practice 20 minutes, two times a day, every day for the rest of your life. It will help, but just start where you are. (laughs) I love that. I just want to touch on something there that you said, and I actually interviewed another podcast guest this morning, and that interview will be going up before you. And the interview Mm. is the lady called Floor Marks, who, not dissimilar to you and I, you know, my background's PR, so is yours. Floor ran advertising agencies, like major multinational advertising agencies. And she went at breakneck speed for 20 years, like seven days a week, 24-7, multiple time zones, two countries a year, like mm-hmm. hardcore. And she got very, very sick. She got diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, which is essentially worse than cancer. You know, and she's been very sick for 12 years, like on and off. And I guess what I just wanted to jump in and say, just having come fresh off that conversation with Floor, and that that episode will already be live when this conversation with you and I goes goes live. 
you want life to get your attention in a positive way if possible. You know, you don't want it to get to a point where you're so sick or, you know, like the experience she has had. And she said herself this morning, like, I wasn't listening. You know, my body was screaming at me and her intuition was screaming at her and she wasn't Mm -hmm. listening. So I think that's the other reason for this. It's almost like building in that preventative measure whereby if there is something that your body, you know, one of those four bodies that you talked about, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual, if they're trying to get our attention, that we are creating that space that they can, we can hear them speak, I guess is what I'm saying there. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right. And look, sometimes we only learn you and I have spoken about this before too, that there can be the whisper. Yes. And it's like, oh, it's just this quiet. It's like, oh, I can ignore you. It's kind of like when the kids are calling. It's like, no, that they don't know. I'm not really here. But, you know, if they come running in and they're banging on the door, it's like, so. Yeah. We talked about the whisper, the brick or the truck. And the truck is essentially what Flora got was on her back and gone mm-hmm. for two years. So mm-hmm. I look yeah. forward to listening to the podcast. It's very powerful. She made me cry and I haven't cried for a long time in a podcast interview. Ooh, very powerful. So I'm curious, is that now what she's teaching? Yeah. It's what she, she's built a whole business on it. So while, you know, would never wish that upon her or upon anybody else, it is also part of the plan. And the bigger picture here is that without it, without having ignored it to that point and to have gone through the change and transformation, she may never have fulfilled her true soul purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly our conversation this morning. Yeah, that's beautiful. I just want to talk about the journaling for a moment as well, because Mm -hmm. I would have said I've journaled since I was 15. And I've journaled every day now for three years. It's probably a couple of days I missed, but I don't think I do it right because I do a diary. I get into bed in the evening and that's my, this is what I did today. And it's not exploring. And I've done some journaling as part of retreats and so on, where we're at, you're giving journaling prompts and it's very, very powerful when we do. Where would you suggest we start? Because it is something I would like to explore more this year is journaling. Where should we go for those journaling prompts? Or is that something that will drop in intuitively? What do you think on that front? So I definitely include a number of journaling prompts in the book. I think you need to really first sit with what is the intention for this journaling because there are so many different tools that we could use. If you want it as a brain dump, then really what you're doing is fine. If you want to journal for guidance and for Mm. information, there are other techniques. So there's something called automatic writing. Yes. Somewhat similar to Julia Cameron's morning pages pages. that people may have heard of where essentially your mind is stepping aside and something else is able to come to light. In the book, I talk about future scripting, Mm. which is essentially transporting ourselves to our future self, to our future state, and having that part of us write to us about where they are and what they're doing. And once you have the script, you actually write the script out every day. So I remember future scripting Lexi's birth, like how I wanted it to be. Uh, did it yeah, work? It's a powerful Lexi. No, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, a beautiful birth, but yeah, it wasn't what I scripted for sure. Mm. Actually, no, interestingly, ah, mm. what I scripted for Lexi's birth, it's pretty much what happened with Wilder's birth. Like the timings. Okay. Yeah. Mm, well, inadvertently, I didn't future script Wilders. Yeah, inadvertently, you've actually brought up a whole other thing. And just because we're future scripting our future self, this will happen at the end of this pregnancy, or this is mm. me in 12 months' time, quite often the time frame is not up 
to us. Yes. When that might land. Yes. Mm. That makes sense. Mm. So yeah, journaling prompts in the book. That's super helpful. Thank you. The other thing I just wanted to touch on when you talked about those divinity tools, divining tools. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I think the Oracle cards are really, really powerful. And what I find interesting working with your cards is that I will pull three cards as part of you know, a miracle morning or any little ceremony or ritual I've created for myself. I find it really interesting when the same cards come up multiple times, as in the exact two cards will come up three mornings in a row like that. Not freaks me out, but it really it just <laughs> makes me realize like, holy crap, there's something going on here. If someone is working with cards like yours or someone else's and they're consistently getting the same cards coming up, what does that mean? Just that you're still working through that particular mm. lesson or area. I think sometimes it can just be, you know, our intuition or more broadly, what I call our spiritual support team is trying to get our attention, similar yes. to what we were talking about before. Yes. So when, whether it's an oracle card or some other message is repeated, pay attention. It's like mm. the volume gets dialed up. Yeah. And, you know, it might be a more gentle whisper. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Of trying to get your attention. I think what can also be powerful, even if it's not in the Oracle cards each morning, say, in fact, in front of me, I've got the manifest card. It's sitting just above my screen. So I see it all the time when I'm looking up. Let's say that it's not in my cards every morning, but it's a conversation that I hear someone else having on public transport, or I walk through a public library and there, you know, front and center is a book on manifestation. It's the, the repetition can also come elsewhere. Yeah. Got uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's really powerful. And then on those divining tools, two more that I use is the pendulum. I find that mm -hmm. really, really helpful. And also muscle testing as well. Would you see both of those as divining tools? Yes. And in fact, I include both of them in the ah, book. I haven't got that far yet. And yeah, <laughs> and that it, no one tool is going to be right for everyone mm -hmm. or right for everyone all of the time in that yes. you might start with oracle cards and say, okay, I don't want to work with them anymore. Or you might use your pendulum for certain things or, yeah. you know, work with different healers and practitioners for different moments. So that muscle testing is a great way of confirming something that's come up in the card or have your pendulum, particularly for yes and no answers. I like a pendulum. <laughs> Yeah, they're absolutely divination tools. Yeah. And I just say, if anyone isn't familiar with the pendulum, so it's essentially, it's a crystal on a little chain. I think mine is a tiger's eye crystal from memory. Mm -hmm. And what happens then is you hold it and you do a test. You say, give me a yes. And if it's a yes, it'll swing back and forth. And if it's a no, it'll spiral, it'll go in a circle. And then you essentially just work through your questions. Like, should I hire this person? Yes. Give me a yes. Give me a no. Yeah, yeah. And I remember doing it as part of a bold darling workshop once and just giving the group a demonstration. And it was mind-blowing like your hand is not moving but you're getting a very very clear read mm -hmm. one, one way or the other now just ask you helen when we're working with divining tools because sometimes i find when i want all the tools it's when i'm very emotionally charged up like i feel very passionately about a particular question and jackie my brilliant kinesiologist who i've worked with for probably as long as i've known you you know mm -hmm. your work and she says you know it's very hard to muscle test when you're very attached to a particular outcome like it's very hard to divine and a, a true read when you're very attached like you wanted to say yes you know if it's like should i stay with my husband yes or no and you're really angry with him so you wanted to say no but then it says yes <laughs> damn you that kind of thing. this doesn't work the pendulum's broken there's something wrong have you any suggestions on how can we get ourselves into a, a centered state because what often will happen for me like i will muscle test something 
And for example, we're moving to Spain imminently. It's very, very soon that we're about to leave. And first of all, I remember asking, I muscle tested myself in late 2021 when I first kind of had the idea to do this and I got a 100% yes. And then I actually emailed Jackie and said, look, can you test this for me? Because I'm too emotional about it. And she tested and she got, yeah, she got 100% as well. And then we found a house in Spain, which I immediately fell in love with. It was expensive. I was like, are we mental, you know, moving into this Mac mansion? And I muscle tested, I got a yes, but I needed Jackie to confirm it as well. But anyway, if we don't have someone like Jackie on hand or someone like you on hand, do you have any advice on how do we get ourselves like centered before we use these tools so that we know that we're not almost like our our emotional self isn't leading the answer we get? Do you get me? I do. And there's two points here that I, I want to make. One is... If our starting point is on a big life decision, like, am I leaving my husband? Am I closing my business? Are we trying for a baby? Are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. It really is diving in the deep end and hoping you can swim. And I think, you know, most of us will figure it out. But I often recommend if we've started small, do I want to eat this? Do I want to keep this appointment? You know, do I want to wear this today? By the time we're then asking about those bigger questions, we've already built up a practice to bring ourselves back into our heart. But the other way of answering this, and it may not necessarily be what you were expecting me to say, but if you already know that you're heavily invested in the yes, then that is also an answer. There's your yes. Yeah, I get it. That's powerful. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, it's interesting you say starting with the small decisions, because I remember when Jackie taught me to muscle test myself years ago, she said, you know, test things like she's like, test like when you're at Woolies and you're looking, you know, which apples like test the apples. Like she said, (laughs) it sounds so ridiculous, but it's testing those little things. And I have sat there like Wade thinks I'm a lunatic, I'm sure most of the time. But I'm like, okay, do I want to watch, go to Netflix or do we want to go out for a movie tonight? Okay, let's go for the movie. And he's like, okay. And he doesn't question anymore. Bless him. I think he's just waved the white flag now. He's like, okay, cool. We'll do the movie. <laughs> Meanwhile, your local supermarket is, she's here again. She's crazy. <laughs> Taking two hours to pick out her produce for the week. <laughs> so big question for you then, my dear. And I actually mm. don't know how to answer this. And this is why I really mm. wanted to ask you. This is part of the interview. We're using our tools, we're meditating, we're journaling, we're, we're doing all the things. How do we know it's actually working? There is an element of trust and faith. Mm -hmm. We've already spoken about some of the ways that we can get our brain on board with the proof, but I think it's important. I make this connection in the book that our intuition is very closely linked with manifesting and we are in this feedback loop with the universe. I saw this in the book last night. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so We might be working on, let's say, moving to Spain, right? We know deep in our heart, oh, my gosh, this is the adventure of a lifetime and I definitely want to do it. I think you said either 2020 or 21. 2021, yeah. Yeah. So it was November 2021. I was like, this this is what I want to do. Yeah. Okay. So this gives us that example of we know that there is this quite big thing that I want to manifest and create. I'm asking for guidance on how to make it happen. And, you know, is it really a good idea for me and for my family? And then ultimately we're in an exchange with the universe that is helping us to either get closer to what we're desiring or further away. 
And I think it also comes back to that idea of muscle testing and that, you know, the desire for a yes is in itself an answer. At the end of the day, the power is inside of you. And so you can have every pendulum, every healer, every card, every dream, you know, every book falling off the shelf, every neon light saying to you yes or no. And you still have free will and choice to do something else entirely. So how do you know if you're doing it right? The universe is going to show it to you in what it is that you're manifesting. So if it took, you know, rather than a year, it had taken you 10 years to manifest this, we might have to look at, okay, Lorraine, is there something off in your belief? Is there something off in your energy? Is there something that you need to clear or heal? The proof is in what's happening in your outer world. That's really true. And I think also, you know, you set your mind on a particular goal, whether it's, you know, starting a business or hiring someone or creating a new revenue stream or moving countries or whatever it might be. And I think for me, there's been such flow. I feel like this has been something I've been much more attuned to in my second business versus my first I can see in the past where doors were closing, but I was just like bashing them down anyway. You know, almost like I was just, (laughs) I had my idea and this is how it was going to happen. Almost like bull in a china shop type thing. Mm -hmm, Whereas mm -hmm. I feel like with this second business, it feels more of a dance. And I think this is, and this might be a really helpful nugget for people listening as well, is that I feel like now I can set a goal and then I essentially feel the flow. Like, is it flowing? And this Spain Mm -hmm. move has flowed. Like, first of all, Wade came on the journey. You know, this was, I remember him coming home from work one Thursday night. I'm like, I want us to move to Spain. And he's like, the fuck? Like, what are you smoking? Seriously? So, you know, he came on the journey. My business, you know, I've been able to orientate the business that I can pretty much pick it up and drop it into Spain. Hopefully that's the plan. My cousin is there. We found an amazing school for Lexi. Like we went and checked it out in July. So there's been flow behind it. And as hard as it feels packing up your entire life, and I'm talking about my experience and where I'm sitting right now, but, you know, as hard as it can feel starting a business or, starting a new relationship or ending a relationship, there's almost that sense that there's still a flow behind it. And that to me tells me that it's working. I feel like I'm answering my question based on what you're saying. So yeah, yeah it's, it. it's the real life. Yeah. I love it. And if I can add to that, because you're using the word goal and this hopefully brings it back to business in particular and, and understanding how someone could apply this in business, that in a business, often our goals are profit-driven or hopefully impact-driven, mm-hmm. but we're taught to make them quantifiable, right? Where yes. we can measure yeah. measurable, yeah, measurable. With our intentions, it is more about a feeling, mm-hmm. and I think what you're describing, it, and and I've observed this of you as a friend, as a mentee, and also you know you having hired me for work too, that you are very very good at the goal and the intention. Mm, interesting. Okay. And so the flow often comes when those head and heart are aligned. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely what it feels like. Now, I probably should have asked you this more early on in our conversation. It's it's all has just come to me. Have you read the work of Florence Scovel Shin at all? No. So she's not very, I've never come across it before, but about, God, I'd say about four years ago, a mentee that I worked with sent me her book and said, I, I love her work. It's actually three of her books in one. It's quite a small book. It's like mm-hmm. three kind of 
novellas type, like a booklet type Mm -hmm. thing. And she sent me her work. And because we've been packing up the house, there was three books that I hadn't, one book, Purple Cow by Seth Godin, which I'd read years ago when I started my first business, but I wanted to come back to. The other one was The Celestine Prophecy, which I Mm -hmm. kind of touched on, but hadn't read yet. And then the other one was Florence's book because I've never read it. So she was a 1940s metaphysicist. She wrote a lot of her work in the 1940s. A lot of what she talks about reminds me a lot of Louise Hay's work, mm-hmm. but she has this beautiful, and it's quite God-driven, and I wouldn't describe myself as a very religious person, but I do believe in a God and I believe in a higher power. She has this beautiful reference in the book, and she talks about how us praying, I mean, she says God for, you know, might be your creator, your spirit, whatever it might be, and this is what I want to ask you about. She says praying to God is like telephoning God. And she said, our intuition, though she calls them intuitive hunches like you do, our intuition is God telephoning us. So it's like this two-way street. Mm-hmm. Who is it? Like when we're getting these hunches, <laughs> who do you believe it is? What's your take on it? And is that open oh. to interpretation depending on you know each of us and what our individual beliefs are? I mean, obviously, we are all entitled yes. to our own beliefs. <laughs> You're not going to give uh, us some dogma not here, Helen, world, no? according to Helen. <laughs> <laughs> Helen's that disciples. being said, <laughs> I have a very similar belief mm. that I do have a religious background, but like you, I don't necessarily call myself, you know, a particular religion anymore. But all religions also essentially at their core are saying the same Mm, yeah people get in the way (laughs) so yes I do believe that there is a higher source and that we are an extension of that source we are not separate from that source and at any given point we can in one of my books I describe it like there's this like mothership and all of these robots that have come down and we forget our programming and Mm. if we forget our programming we can hit that like button so that we can get the download again like why did you send me here what am I here to do what is this thing about yeah but yes I agree that there is this higher source that is answering That being said, I think that there are also, like I talk a lot about a spiritual support team. So there's Mm. like a whole world of non-physical beings, if you're so inclined, that are also assigned to work with us. So here in the physical world in business, we would have our business mentors or maybe we have a board of advisors. In the world of spirit, we also have mentors and advisors and an entire team that can see the bigger picture. Mm. And so we can make the phone call to the source or we can go to the specialist and ask for advice. Yeah. Love that. Love Mm. that thought. So you've brought me very neatly onto one of my last questions for you. And that was about, you know, when we do have those, I call them, you know, the speed wobbles where we go, like, I thought my intuition was saying this. It doesn't like this feels way too hard. Like essentially we have those speed wobbles of faith and of trust and question, you know, is this working? Was I completely wrong? Why did my intuition send me this way? It's clearly not the right path for me. What can we do in those times of speed wobbling to to get us back on track, almost like to give ourselves a bit of a course correction and and, and get back to centre when we find ourselves in that place? There's a couple of different things that we can do. And again, having started small, we'll catch it earlier and earlier and the wobble doesn't last as long. So it can be as simple as, again, getting out of our head. Maybe it is stepping outside if you know, the weather allows, maybe it is having a bath, just anything that allows our system to reset. I think a bigger way of answering this is what makes us think that we're off course 
to begin mm. with. Why? Because it's not easy and because we're being asked to change in the process of moving from A to B. If you think about that caterpillar that goes into the chrysalis before it comes out as the butterfly, it has to physically change. Mm. And I'm sure you would have felt in your example of going from Sydney to Spain Mm. that there was a transformation inside of yourself and possibly even for Wade and whoever else is affected by this decision to that there's a transformation to allow that thing to be real. Mm. So the wobble, I think, is actually, and this answers your other question earlier, it is a sign it's working. Mm. Because we're experiencing, it's Jack Delosa talks about growth cannot coexist with comfort. So when we're feeling that level of discomfort, it means we're growing. And we do, I mean, I often wonder, well, not often, but I have wondered about, you know, what's the physical sensation for a caterpillar, you know, turning into a chrysalis and then coming out and becoming like, that must be a very intense physical sensation. So we need to feel that level of discomfort in order to grow. So yeah, Yeah. I I love how you've thought about that. Yeah. I remember my mum many years ago when Email forwards were still a thing. Yes, <laughs> and yes. She, forward, she forwarded me this image, this story of you know this butterfly is trying to come out of the chrysalis, and there's someone witnessing it, and the caterpillar is struggling to get out, and it can see like the wings aren't able to push through, and the observer goes over and starts mm. to cut the chrysalis, and you know they think they're doing this wonderful thing. I'm going to set you free, sweet butterfly, mm. and the butterfly just falls out mm. because in that process of pushing our way through the chrysalis, we've strengthened our wings. And if we were to remove that difficulty, we may not be able to enjoy where we're going. Yeah, we may not have the strength to do it. You know, how many times Mm -hmm. have I just wished for the big launch or, you know, the big revenue or the new team member? And really, if it had have landed when I wanted it, I wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. Like I wouldn't have had the capacity to hold that level of success. So Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely speak to what you said there. Mm -hmm. What's one thing that you would like listeners to do after listening to this episode? Just one thing. Take a deep breath, put your hand on your heart and just ask yourself, what is the next thing I need to do? Don't hit stop and rush back into your life. Take even 30 seconds if that's all you've got and ask yourself, what do I really need and want in this moment? That's it. So powerful. And again, your heart center being where where that intuition lives. It's so interesting that I felt like I wanted to talk to you about the floor Mark's interview because mm-hmm. I asked her what's one thing you would ask want listeners to do and she said the very same thing she said put your hand oh, on your heart this. say I oh. love you and I'm listening that's it I need to I go feel like you up. both need to connect <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. maybe very, this very is a sign <laughs> thank you my love and just with the book then as well so it obviously comes in a beautiful hardback version as well is it also in an audiobook or no an ebook Yet to be determined. That one's with the publisher. So we wait and see. I'm sure if lots of people ask for it. So worth doing. I think just my experience from doing Get Remarkably Organized a year after the print book came out, Mm. it gave it a a huge second kind of burst. And Step Into You, I feel like most people listen to it. Anecdotally, people listen to it. So yeah, yeah, worth doing. Thank you so much, my dear. So good to see you and have you on again. Yes, you too. Thanks, Lorraine. Thank you. There you have the brilliant Helen Jacobs. I really hope that you got so much out of that conversation. I know 
every time I speak to Helen, I either have my perspective shifted on something or she really introduces a new concept and that conversation was no exception to that. To find out more about Helen, you can visit her website at helenjacobs.co or connect with her on Instagram at helenjacobs.co. You can also find her third book, Follow Your Heart, in leading bookstores as well as online as well. Thank you so much for joining this week's episode. It was a joy as always to have you and looking forward to bringing you another episode next Friday. Please do remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't ever have to miss an episode. I am always keen to hear your thoughts, questions and requests for future topics on what I share here on the show. So please do reach out via my website, lorrainemurphy.com.au or connect with me on Instagram at Lorraine Murphy Mentor. I would also love if you could rate and review the podcast as it helps even more brilliant listeners like you find the show. Thank you so much again for listening this week. Thank you.